Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. Well, it's been three weeks since the St. Louis area issued its stay-at-home order, and even longer since we all sat down at our favorite restaurants or chatted with our favorite bartenders over a cocktail. But we're all doing our part, staying home to flatten the curve and stop the spread of the coronavirus. Many of us are now doing happy hour with friends over Zoom. Thankfully, we can still pick up beer from a number of our craft breweries, and takeout is still an option at many restaurants. But if you're ready to tackle something new, our city's best chefs and bartenders are here for you. Many are hosting virtual classes, from learning to make gnocchi or mix up a whiskey sour. This week on the podcast, we're chatting with some of the folks working to make quarantine a little more interesting. First up is Matt Wynn, the executive chef of Taste. He's using his time out of the kitchen to help you in yours. He's working with Jonathan Lorenzen to host virtual cooking classes. Jonathan also joins us. He's part of WeWork, and not only is he bringing chefs like Matt online to teach, but also artists and sommeliers. And while sipping a cocktail on the couch might not be as much fun as a night out at the bar, James Thomas, the co-founder of St. Louis Bourbon Society, hopes to bring that same sense of community into your home via the internet. He's chatting with us about their series that they're doing over Facebook Live, bringing bartenders like Meredith Barry and Tony Saputo to shake things up, as well as hosting virtual bourbon tastings with more roses and Maker's Mark. It's not the same as doing these things in person, but hey, we're living in a new normal right now. So uh, this is something my roommate Jonathan Lorenzen hatched up um, through his uh, through his work. At, it's called WeWork, um, and you know essentially he'll you know he'll elaborate on this more. But uh, mm-hmm. essentially, what he's in charge of doing is like um, more so kind of branching out and bring uh, bring people into the St. Louis community, and this is you know a way to uh engage that more and it's, it's a way to be able to utilize my craft but also um in cases like this you just have to be more progressive and you have to think outside the box and you know it's a good time to get into more uncharted territory and, and at the end of the day it's like it's like good practice being able to, to do this it's um you know, I guess there's still is this a bit of a stigma about chefs where it's just like um, you just think all of them are going to be able to pop on camera and just slay it, and that's just not the case at all. Right? Everybody's um, so I, familiar with cooking shows that they think every chef's like that. Yeah, 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 and and it's definitely not that way at all. I mean, um, just the you know, it's, typically all of us are a little more introverted and. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to get us out on on a stage like that, and you know, being in an atmosphere like where you can't really see your audience, like like a taste. You know, I always felt like I was on stage when I was behind the line, and it's very different. Kind of looking into a camera and zooms a face I'm not really familiar with. So, being being adjusted. That, I mean, for instance, like midway through the through the feed, the uh, the Wi-Fi goes out at home. Oh no. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just little stuff like that, that you, you know, you're just not really 
used to and you know there's so never you, a time it, it, it'd be like cooking at taste and all of a sudden the gas goes out and I'm like, oh, well, uh, okay can't really turn you know oh can't really cook food if there's no heat uh i gotta figure something out <laughs> right so well first off for people who don't know you um can you share a little of your background and, and what you do sure um so i'm the executive chef over at taste um so we're a part of niche food group um before i was took over taste i, I was briefly a sous chef at good fortune um I also worked at Paso for a little bit, um, helped out Max Local Eats for a while. Uh, before that, I was actually in the niche food group. Um, I worked at I worked at Niche until it, until they closed mm-hmm. in 2016. And then from there, I went to Brasserie while I waited for Sardella to open up. And then you know I worked over at Sardella. And then uh, before that, though, I was cooking in New York City. Um, worked at Tom Colicchio's uh, craft restaurant group as well as uh, um, Hearth in New York City. There you go. Wow. Well, there you go. Tom, that, that's someone who is very good on camera while cooking. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is. He is. It's it's funny. Like, I actually got to meet I, – I didn't really get to talk to him that much, but uh, there were a few times I was fortunate enough to get, like, you know, to chat with him in person. And, you know, he's very – he's a very personable guy, and, you know, and it's – one of those things that makes you think like, Oh my God, like what, what happens when you get into these like giant roles and, you know, absolutely. sometimes you have to kind of change it up a little bit. So working at taste, you guys were one of the first to sort of close before, um, you know, this, the order even took place. Gerard made that decision. What's it been like? I mean, that's been, has been three weeks now. It's hard to keep track of time these days. Yeah, almost a month. I believe the 14th of March was when we um, was when Gerard made the decision. Um, I mean, it, of course, it was a decision that you know we all agreed with. It was pretty unanimous across the board in this in this you know in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's proven that's the best way to help you know really fight this is just really blocking really blocking everyone off just to kind of help flatten that curve mm-hmm. which you know not really seeing results right now because i think we're still in the in the midst of things um just because we kind of caught on late with the social distancing but hopefully that will start to turn around and hopefully that will be like okay well this is exactly why we made this decision and now really it's kind of going to the chalkboard and figuring out what can we do you know to be more progressive beyond that. I mean, right now we're all helping out over at uh, uh, North Sarah Food Hub right now as part of uh, kind of our contribution with the Gateway Resilience Fund, just helping out the community and um, helping out, uh, you know, uh, students that aren't able to access meals uh, with school being shut down and, you know, trying to help out the elderly and most, you know, and also like helping out our own staff as well. So right. it's kind of like making staff meal on mass all the time is basically <laughs> what we're doing right now. <laughs> well, it, it does sound like you're, you're staying a bit busy then in this sort of time of uncertainty. Are you planning to do more of these virtual classes? Yeah. Yeah. If not through, um, in, 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 and also like maybe if we decide not to do it, if they, you know, they decide to get on some, some more chefs, uh, which that's the one, that's the goal of this is, you know, I was kind of, one of the first and it's like, all right, you know, let's, let's, let's get some more on here. Let's get some more 
um and not only like our food group but maybe maybe others and also you know it's one of those it doesn't have to be cooking too um uh you know one of, one of our servers at brasserie is, is a phenomenal drawer and she actually a phenomenal artist and she draws you know she can draw really fast for how good her artwork is and we're like why don't you just do something like that you know take us through like different pastels different stuff that i don't know i would love to learn how to do that you know if i could learn how to draw like that way but instead of like for you know uh drawing you know drawing people drawing mm-hmm. like food drawing you know learning how to draw a mushroom really nicely in like 15 minutes that would be awesome <laughs> this is a time do my when own artwork you know we can <laughs> kind of develop some skills that um we've never had before what do you think as a chef, um, you know, what do you hope that people can get out of learning, um, from watching you, whether it's on the zoom or if you, if for other chefs, what do you hope people get out of that? Um, really what I hope is just that, um, learning, not just, just being, just being able to take a leap and not being intimidated sort of say by ingredients that you know chefs do in their restaurants and i think one of the things like one of the big excuses and i actually learned this the other day myself when i was you know i i took the big leap and i I made lasagna from scratch the first time and the reason why i hadn't done in the past is because i was always like oh it's gonna take me so long it's you know it's so finicky and you know finally one day i was just like well what else am i gonna do today so i made (laughs) lasagna from scratch and you know it was awesome and and on top of that, it didn't take nearly as long as I thought. It wasn't nearly as difficult as I thought. And I basically made myself dinner for like a whole week <laughs> in just one fell swoop. And I would like guests to like online guests to get that vibe. They'd be like, oh, you know, this isn't okay. This isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And you know what? I don't have anything else going. Yeah, I'd love to try something new. And well, because your first way, your gonna lesson like, was build, on it's going to help them build up their repertoire, and then you know once things go back to normal, they're going to be like, well, yep, um, I have another I have another dish I can make. Right. Well, your first dish was that you taught on Zoom was gnocchi, which I think for a lot of people, when they hear that, they think that sounds really intimidating. Yeah, and and, and you know, and honestly. You know, I would if I did another one. I would like to do something a little more simple. Um, <laughs> but they were like, "Yeah, why don't you like, do gnocchi? Do gnocchi? Do gnocchi?" And I was like, "Okay." But and you know, it, it was it was a good tutorial and it was successful. But you know, there were also certain aspects about it. And one of the big things, and I, I you know, I talk about this in my demo. I'm just like, I wish you guys could just feel what I'm doing. And it's kind of hard. Like, they can't. They they can see your hands, but they don't know. They can't really, it's, it's, it's just one of those visual perceptions that's just so hard to get across. And on top of like gnocchi being fairly difficult to make on its own. Yes. Simple as in there's like flour and potato, but just, there's so much like feel that goes into it. Mm -hmm. So much touch and so much like just these minor aspects of precision you don't think about. And, you know, I've done this quite a few times myself um, but that's also one of the things too, like I stress in the video, I'm like, even if this isn't perfect, like, trust me, potato and flour, as long as it makes a dumpling, like it's still going to be tasty. <laughs> it's and, still gonna taste you know, and I admit it through my video, I'm like, this is a little more dry than I want it to be, but you know what? I <laughs> ended up cooking it anyway and it was still really good. Well, and I think that's a good lesson for any home chef is that, you know, even for someone with your expertise for years and years in this business as a professional, you you don't get it perfect the first time. Yeah, exactly. 
and even Mark, like Marco's Marco Canora, and um, he's the chef at Hearth, and you know he was, and even like when I worked at Tom Colicchio's restaurants, like Craft and Craft Bar, like those were, um, you know, you know Marco's gnocchi, silk. They they modified it a bit, but still, like it was kind of Marco's idea to put that dish on the menu at Craft, and then you know being around it again at Hearth, so like I've been around this dish so many times but all those times I never made it like it was always made for me and like I would cook it um so yeah it was one of those things I you know I made it the other day not too long ago and I texted Brian Moxie who also used to work at Hearth and I texted him a picture and I was like finally after all this time I finally made a gnocchi from scratch start to finish that I would have put in front of Marco I've been confident about it you know and that's one of the things that Marco admits he's like you're gonna screw this up so many times the reason why my gnocchi is great is because I've made it thousands of times and it's all trial and error and I've messed it up so many times and if you ever read there and you know Marco has a lot of videos where he's making gnocchi and that's he says it too he says it just like I did where it's just like look you're gonna you're gonna make errors. This is not gonna come out perfectly the first time. It's fine. You need to, you're gonna have to mess this up a few times before, you know, you get it right. But you're in quarantine. You have all and you know what at the end of the day, you're you know, you're, it's it's potatoes and flour. <laughs> you're not gonna poison yourself with it. <laughs> exactly. You're you're still gonna make a good product. It's you know, I'm just a bit of a perfectionist about it. And I'm just like, you know, I'm a, I'm a very, you know, I'm very much an open sleeve. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much like, okay, well this isn't, you know, this isn't quite what I wanted it to be, but it's still going to be good. There's a lot of people that are going to kind of come away out of quarantine with some lessons learned. What do you think for you quarantine and this time of uncertainty, what do you think the lesson you're taking away from all this is? It's definitely learned me, uh, make me learn to like appreciate what I had more. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's as, as grindy as, as a life as it is being a chef. There's certain, you know, at the same time, there are just certain aspects of it. You really, you know, you really miss and, you know, you miss adrenaline, you miss, um, I guess deadlines, sort of speak. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you also miss the people and, and the environment you're in and, um, you know, being in the kitchen's like being on a submarine and there are days where, yeah, you guys are going to piss each other off. But at the same time, it's, yeah, I kind of, I, when you're not around them, you're just like, I miss, you know, I miss, I miss all these guys. I really miss what we had. And it gets you really like there, there are times at night I wake up and I'm like actually fearful. I'm like, is this, you know, that last service that like that last Saturday night I had at taste, like, you know, is, is that ever going to be, was that my last, normal service at taste like it's just there's just so much uncertainty right now and you know i think whatever happens when i go back to it i'm going to walk back into the situation with like a different um sense of appreciation for sure And if you ask Jonathan Lorenzen, a community leader generalist for WeWork here in St. Louis, this might all really become a new way for us to do things. And he hopes that by using Zoom and other platforms, we can still stay connected as a community, even if it's not face to face. 
So tell me, how did you decide to come up with this idea of doing um, some of these virtual classes? Um, so, you know, our we have kind of this directive um, from more of the region. I've got a really amazing team in Kansas City um, that has about three WeWorks out there. One's uh, a WeWork on the Sprint campus, and then there's um, the other ones are in basically Power and Light District. And um, the, the teams out there are just awesome, really amazing. Uh, all the members there, they, they just have like great programming. Mm-hmm. And so they really inspired us here in St. Louis um, to, to just like, as, as cor- the coronavirus and as everything started to change for what, what interacting with members meant, uh, we realized that because we're using this technology, we're already super set up with our infrastructure to do this, that we could just open classes of all kinds, whether it's health and wellness, cooking, um, you know, brain breaks. We like to focus really heavily on that one, too, because people are working from home and they need to maybe they need like a way to meet people or learn something new or both um, or maybe grow. And so, yeah, that, that's we just started having these conversations about, you know, what, what do people in St. Louis really need? Um, and then I, I have a chef background, so I, I decided I'm going to do a cooking class. It's going to be a simple cooking class, and I'm going to try to focus on, you know, how to use how to use things that people throw away. How do you make a really great soup? Mm-hmm. So I made a couple soups and I had about 20 people, 16 to 20 people drop in the class via Zoom. Um, and then I, I I talked with my team. We all really thought it was great. Um, and and we all kind of decided with this initiative we got, which is called the Stay Sane campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's that about? Um, what's, tell so us yeah, a little the, bit about that. So yeah, there's basically like three things that it's supposed to do. And it's supposed to really just like connect with the community we really want to like give back connect and you know support and um like for for me all the industry friends i had had i looked at this campaign and thought okay we're trying to help people connect and create community we're trying to support people we're trying to give back with this campaign who needs it the most my you know my I feel very closely connected because I, I used to work at Vicia. Oh, okay. Um, I actually remember when you were in there interviewing Michael Chair. Yeah, that was our second episode on the podcast, actually. Almost <laughs> two wild. years ago now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I remember when you were getting that started. And, you know, I just remember being a part of opening with Michael and Tara. And um, I, I just kind of looked around at the industry and thought, man, um, my personal passion is to try to give people in the food and beverage industry professional resources to develop and grow themselves Mm -hmm. um in the industry typically people only connect via bars (laughs) well that's changed it's different and um as much as i have my initiatives at we work i'm still very very um like i would say even emotional about the food and beverage industry and where that's going to go. And I have a lot of friends and family that are directly tied to that. And, and I, I feel very sad that um, all of the culinary schools have closed down and, you know, it's a very loaded question for why, you know, why would, why would somebody like me 
want to utilize the, the resources that we work that are basically just given to me and funded to support the community. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm already passionate about this. And then now all my friends are unemployed. Yeah. So we're paying people $75 to facilitate a class. Um, and you know, so you... that's a way of giving back. That's one way of giving back. So talk to me about how people, do people have to be WeWork members to, to take one of these classes? How does it work? So typically, typically people would have to be members for our programming. Sometimes we open things up to the public, but right now, um, you know, we're not so concerned with that as we are just connecting with the community, giving back, you know, supporting. And because I'm on the team, I mean, I, I, I tended to focus more on more heavily on the industry that I saw was getting furloughed. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the other side of that is that we've got like meditation classes and we've got like local people from St. Louis that are also doing these, like, you know, whether it's, you know, Alyssa, our community associate, she put on this thing that's like dance church and we're curating things and we want people outside, you know, not just members to be able to connect and understand that we work is not like, you know, and I, I really hate to say the name sometimes because it's so loaded, but like we are people from St. Louis and we are like, you know, we have a, a very specific mission to, to like help St. Louis grow. Mm-hmm. We get global people in. And so I think we're just deciding as a team to just turn those resources outwards into the community um, because our, our work can be the most valuable of that. What do you see um, from these classes, uh, from people who are taking them, from people that are connecting through these classes? I think there's a lot of isolation happening for so many people right now. Mm-hmm. What do you hope people are getting out of taking either a medica- meditation class or a soup making class? Um, I think really it's, you know, technology aside, we put the Zoom and we put all these like, you know, let's put the tech aside and let's think about how people just connect and learn and grow. Um, I think what they're gaining really is just a community with, you know, with valuable, you know, virtual events. Like we're, we're still trying to create that sense of connection and, and, you know, a, you know, whatever it is, like just staying sane in this time where people are sort of disconnected. Like you're saying, like people are, People are separated, and I, I personally believe that things are going to really change for um, for a lot of in-person hospitality industries. I'm not saying it's going to go away, but I think the way that everybody thinks about it is going to change. And so how we connect as humans will change. Um, it, and maybe it's only 20%, maybe it's 30%, but there's going to be a percentage of how we go, man, we used to do things this way, but pandemic a pandemic that changed the world is, you know, going to change how we learn, connect and grow with each other. Um, and so, you know, the meditation, for example, that's with, uh, a, that's with a friend of mine, Danny, who are you familiar with STL barkeep? Yeah. So, you know, the, the cool thing is like, yeah, Matt's teaching a class on your platform, right? Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. And you know, here's the thing. It's I'm hands off with that because Matt, is great. He, he doesn't need anybody to form curriculums for him. He's been doing bar classes for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, for, for that's a good example of like what people have to gain. Like they're able to connect with Matt, who's super in the community. Um, he's, you know, often a guy that supports bartenders in between jobs, help them, helps them find like temporary gigs. He's been super affected by this, but you know, now that you can't go out and get a cocktail with Matt, you can actually jump on a zoom call and ask him anything you want. He's there for that. <laughs> um, so, so there's, there's very much like in these classes, it's super interactive. It's not just a lecture and you know, a lot of what we do ends up turning into Q and a, and I mean, for Matt's class, he had about 30 people. I don't know what number he told you, but when we were looking, it was kind of like fluxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was people from other markets that were asking Matt about, you know, flour for the gnocchi. And how does this change that? And they were asking these intuitive questions. And they're not even from this market. They're from, you know, they're from New York or they're from Mexico and Matt, a chef from St. Louis, had the ability to like connect with those people. So I think that the, there may be another like really high level way to answer that question for you is just to say that, you know, th- there's a value outside of just local and outside of St. Louis, but just connecting with like something greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really eye opening for Matt, too, because he had people who have never eaten it, taste or heard of it that were interested in what he had to say and they should be because he's super trained and he, you know, he knows how to make gnocchi really well. Right. You know, and that's the thing, you know, we all, I think just simply miss that ability to get a meal at our favorite restaurant, get a drink at our favorite bar and connect with those chefs, those bartenders. And you're helping create a way that we can do that while staying safe and staying home. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I will, I will say that I do struggle because the one thing that I, I struggle with, with the industry, um, that I was in is like I referenced before, people are connecting and they're networking, but it's usually through a bar or it's usually through. And so as I've looked for people to fill in the spots for this paid class that we're, you know, we're going to support a charity, we're going to pay you, um, we're going to try to really like put everything we can into giving back and supporting, um, you know, specifically my direction, the industry here, you know, not everybody on my team is super passionate, but they see my passion and they support me. Mm -hmm. Other people like, like chefs and bartenders, I would say chefs more don't really quite understand what I'm doing. And maybe it's the business acumen. Maybe they're not used to emailing. Maybe that, you know, we got a lot of really smart and amazing people, but maybe just not practiced with administrative skills. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think really when I ask somebody, Hey, would you like to do one of these classes? They're, they're not realizing that as this industry evolves, this is an opportunity for them to get paid for them to interact with a, not only just St. Louis, but a global community and also learn something not only about themselves, but about technology and how the world's changing. And, you know, it's just very hard because I, I see this industry as a dinosaur industry and the way that we work has treated all of us um, has been so amazing. They've been so supportive and they, they, ex- they expect us to be kind and supportive and help people to grow. 
um, of our own members. Mm -hmm. And so I look at the industry and I really feel like, you know, these classes are an opportunity for people to professionally develop. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's not easy to try to convince somebody to get on and, and run a class with the workbook and in front of maybe 30 people who you don't know. Um, but I think if, if chefs and people who miss that and long for that experience and want to connect with people, see the opportunity here, it could be something that we, we actually keep here and, and keep doing, not just for this quarantine time, but beyond, hopefully beyond. As the weather warms up, there's no doubt we'd all love to head to our favorite patio and grab a drink. But for now, our homes have turned into our favorite bars, and the stats show it. Liquor sales jumped 22% the last week of March compared to the same time last year. And let me just say, thank goodness that liquor stores are deemed essential. James Thomas, the co-founder of St. Louis Bourbon Society, is helping, though, ensure that we know what to do once we bring that liquor home. They're hosting Facebook Lives with mixologists and bartenders from across St. Louis, all while helping raise money for the Gateway Resilience Fund. Tell me, you guys decided to do some virtual classes. Talk to me about where mm-hmm. the idea came from and how that's been going. Yeah, so, you know, really the, uh, when everything, you know, primarily what we did in the past all really revolved around, uh, you know, public tastings, public bourbon tastings um, and, and, and cocktail classes. And, you know, really, like everybody else, kind of having to go into this more of a, a an online world these days. Um, we were, the biggest thing for us is we, we had a lot of, uh, bartenders, um, that were struggling, uh, you know, bartenders, people that worked in restaurants, you know, that really had, uh, I mean, the, the word they used was, um, essentially they were not only struggling, but they were really worrying how they're going to survive. Mm-hmm. So, um, we just kind of looked at that and said, uh, you know, there's gotta be some way that we can try to to help these people who, uh, you know, were so active in, in, in the bourbon world and in the whiskey world here in St. Louis. And, uh, so what we did was worked with, uh, Clara, um, at planner's house and basically just developed a, uh, a virtual cocktail class. And, um, that's really kind of where it started, just that idea. And it's kind of grown now to, uh, to something that we're doing really almost four nights a week, um, on our page. So it's really, it's, uh, it's really transitioned from a kind of a one-time event now into a, uh, you know, almost a nightly thing on our page. So. And so are you, are they each make, are each of the bartenders making one cocktail? Or are they making multiple kind of describe to us what these classes are like? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, the first ones that we did, um, really were really focused maybe like on one or two and, um, and it really is kind of up to the bartender what they want to kind of do in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ones that we've done pre, um, here this last week, they've actually made uh, three or four different cocktails. Um, and uh, so that's been really neat. We've hosted so far. Um, oh, geez. <clears throat> I know that uh, Clara, Clara from uh, Planner's House. We've had Meredith. Uh, she's done one or two, done a really nice job uh, from Taste Bar. And then also uh, Tony Saputo came in, made a couple drinks. Um, and then recently also Brad Phillips uh, over at Blood and Sand 
also the uh, the president of the, of the uh, St. Louis chapter of the Bartenders Guild here in St. Louis came in and they made a bunch of really nice drinks as well. So they've been making cocktails and uh, recently they've also been showing us how to make, you know, simple syrups and, uh, you know, barware and, you know, what kind of, you know, tools of the trade and, uh, you know, really just kind of picked up a lot of really interesting, um, you know, uh, it's been like on the job training at home. <laughs> And learning how they uh, how they how they hone their craft, and uh, it's been really neat to to watch them work. And uh, it's like I was trying to tell somebody else, it's like they're creating liquid art for us, uh, you know, each night on our page. So it's really neat to see that. Well, you know, and I think there are so many of us that you know miss going out to dinner, miss going out to our favorite bars, and and you know, so much of that is because. Yeah. Those bartenders, those servers, those chefs, you create, you have a relationship with them. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are starting to really miss that. And these kind of virtual yeah. events sort of help bridge that gap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just being able to uh, to see people <laughs> is, is really comforting. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's nice to be able to see the humor that people are still able to smile um, especially after a cocktail or two, uh, you know, they're, um, they're, they're, they're creating these cocktails, but really they're creating something more than just drinks. They're actually really creating, um, kind of what our motto is for our, for our group, which is fellowship in the spirit. And, um, you know, these days people's spirits could definitely use some fellowship and also some uplifting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think these cocktail classes are just such a great way, uh, that these bartenders are, are reaching back to people and showing that they can, you know, get from behind the bar and actually go out in, uh, in a world that, that's, uh, that really needs, uh, some smiles out there. So what have you sort of taken away learned from <laughs> these these classes, these virtual classes? Mm -hmm. You know, probably the biggest thing for me is I watch people's comments, which is great. Um, You know, the, uh, the way that they're doing the cocktail classes is all via uh, Facebook live stream. And it's neat to see the interaction between people that, you know, even though it's a one way, like a live stream going out to the people, you know, through people's comments, um, just watching how they engage, you know, um, people will ask really great questions. It'll kind of keep the conversation going. Um, and also what's, you know, I mean, you know, like if you're in a bar or something like that or a, a restaurant, you know, you might say, you know, cheers or something, you know, like a socially <laughs> to, to drink with somebody. And, uh, and it's neat just to see people that will go on our page that'll actually, <laughs> you know, say social and, uh, you know, everybody be able to kind of join in from home. And, uh, so it's really neat just to see that, um, uh, you know, to see that, um, I'd say, you know, the other thing that, that I've really taken away from this <clears throat> is how people can really come together around a cause. And, uh, you know, the reason really, as I kind of said in, the, in, in a couple of seconds ago, is that it really, a lot of this is for people to, uh, to help raise money also mm-hmm. for the, uh, the restaurant and bar industry here in St. Louis, these people that are, uh, you know, have lost their jobs. And, um, so we're, we're, we're donating, um, you know, on a lot of the classes, we'll throw up a link as well for people to make donations through to the gateway resiliency fund. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that way, you know, it's, it's in the very beginning, we kind of looked at what would be a good way to, uh, you know, um, to be able to help bartenders and, and, and people in the industry to, 
to get some kind of financial um, security right now. And we wanted to go through, you know, an organization that that had a, a most transparency, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was fair and that was legitimate. And um, that's one of the ones that we recognized early on that would be a good fit. And um, so we we've kind of been, um, you know, funneling things through them right. to be able to have people make donations that way so that. Well, and for yeah, our listeners, you know, get help. we actually talked to Rue, who helped start the fund um, in last week's episode. So if people haven't listened, they can head back and listen to last week's episode and learn a little bit more about the Gateway Resilience Fund, which is donating an incredible amount of money to our yeah. independent um, restaurant, bars, retail employees. It's it's really amazing what they've been able to raise and and what they've been able to give back. And, you know, it won't, it won't save these businesses, but at least can help, you know, bridge that gap in the meantime, while uh, we are kind of working our way through this time. So that's great to hear that. That's what you guys are, are giving back to. And, you know, these bartenders, you know, so many are, are names that a lot of people know, Tony and Meredith. I mean, they're some of the best in the business across St. Louis. So it's really a unique opportunity to get to learn from them and, and kind of take away some of that knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> like I said, just learning some of the, the tips and tricks, uh, you know, it's really kind of been neat to see. You know, a lot of times <clears throat> I think um, here, here's another thing that I would kind of comment on. You know, when you're at a restaurant or, or whatever, you know, if you're sitting at a table, if you're not at the bar and you order a cocktail, you really don't get to see them make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you just say, I want a Manhattan or I want uh, an old fashioned or whatever the drink is. And uh, you just order that drink and it comes and you say, oh, that looks really nice. Um, in this format, you're really getting up close and personal, um, you know, with the bartender and really seeing, uh, you know, a lot of what they're, you know, a lot of their craft kind of right in front of you. Um, and, and that's been really neat just to see how they put these together. Um, one of the other things is just to see how many ingredients Mm -hmm. are in some of these. (laughs) That's very true. Uh, that's one of the fun things is that in advance of the class that we do, um, we put up, uh, an event, you know, on our Facebook page and we put up a, an ingredient list. <clears throat> so we wanted these after a little bit, we realized, okay, it's fun to watch somebody do it, but how about actually getting people involved? So, um, so what we've been doing is we've been putting up an, um, an ingredient list in the event descriptions. So that way, if people want to follow along with it, they can actually sit at home and, uh, try to make their own cocktails, uh, along with them as well to make it a little bit more interactive and fun. So how do you foresee the changes that this pandemic will have to to your guys's group to the St. Louis Bourbon Society? Yeah, so um well again, you know, we really one of the, you know, besides just our our online component, I mean, we have a Facebook page, um we have a private group um also on Facebook. We also have a website, the St. Louis Bourbon Society um, dot com. So we're in the the world a little bit already. Um, Facebook has always been kind of one of our main, um, you know, go to kind of platforms because, you know, there's a lot of social interaction back and forth. We share reviews of different bourbons, uh, where to get certain bottles that are harder to find, um, answer people's questions, um, you know, educational format. 
But one of the things that we really enjoy the doing the most <clears throat> is actually having public tastings, you know, having uh, having these master distillers and brand ambassadors come in and uh, and doing actual public tastings with us so that people learn, you know, how to sample, how to taste bourbon. It's not just, you know, sitting in your basement, you know, getting drunk or something. Um, it, it's actually, you know, going to uh, a nice uh, event space. And really learning how to how to nose a bourbon and smell the different characteristics of it, uh, learning about the barrel science that goes into you know the, the making the characteristics of that spirit, um, giving it giving it those notes and tastes and aromas, et cetera. And that's one of the things that we really love doing is coming together and doing public meetings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in fact, in in March and uh, April both, <clears throat> we were uh, we were planning on hosting uh, Michter's Distillery from Kentucky. Uh, and also uh, Old Forester coming in from Kentucky and doing, you know, 40, 50 people uh, public tasting sessions with these, you know, wonderful distilleries. And uh, it was really a kind of a, a blow to have to cancel all of these events. Um, so, you know, now we're kind of like, well, <clears throat> what do we do? And uh, so what we're going to do is kind of go back to where we kind of started a little bit, you know, and, and go back online here. And see what we can do. And we're going to be doing a um, so in addition to just doing the virtual cocktail classes, which is what we've been doing with um, local bartenders, we're also going to be doing on Friday night. What we've been doing in public, we're going to try to be doing via Zoom. Sorry, and, you, uh, you cut out there for just a second. What are you guys going to be doing on yeah. Friday nights? <laughs> we're going to be doing um, we're going to be trying to do virtual bourbon tastings. Okay. So what we would do in uh, in person, we're actually going to be trying to do online uh, via Zoom. So we're uh, we're going to be hosting our first one actually this evening at eight o'clock on our page with uh, Dan Gardner from Four Roses. So Dan's uh, a bourbon legend. The guy's been in the industry for over thirty five years, and uh, he is the uh, he's the uh, the regional sales manager for. Uh, um, for Four Roses Bourbon. So um, we're really excited to have him come on and just tell us stories and, uh, you know, tell us about the brand. And and again, we've listed the uh, the different bourbons that we're going to sample. So if people have those at home, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, or, or whatnot, they can actually go and, uh, and kind of go with us on that taste mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, sample through a couple different bottles of, of Four Roses Bourbon. And then also, uh, you know, just kind of hear uh, some of the, uh, the, the lore of Four Roses, how they make their product and uh, what makes it special. So um, yeah, so I'm... we're really looking forward to doing those. We're going to be doing um, Four Roses tonight. <clears throat> and then next Friday, we're going to be hosting Greta Harper from, uh, from Maker's Mark, um, who's going to come in and kind of talk about uh, some of Maker's Mark's products, as well as, um, you know, some of the uh, – she's really into barrel science, so how the barrel itself actually – um, gets in and, and affects the color and the flavor and the uh, the aroma of, of Maker's Mark's products. So, so it's an educational journey, um, you know, and, and, and through Zoom, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to have, you know, 15, 20, 30 people or more on mm-hmm. and all be able to see each other and comment. And uh, we're going to try to do what we can to replicate, you know, the, the, the in-person experience as much as we can online.
And these are just a few of the places you can virtually learn a new skill. 33 Wine Shop and Bar in Lafayette Square is also hosting virtual wine tastings on their Instagram page. The wine merchant in Clayton is hosting Zoom wine tastings, and you can actually order the wine and the cheese from the shop to participate. And Perennial Brewery is hosting Instagram Lives to chat about their new beer releases. We're all doing our best to stay connected while staying apart. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Find us at Meet St. Louis Podcast on all those platforms. Stay safe, stay healthy, and support local as much as possible. This week's episode was produced and edited by JJ Bailey.